I was actually asked how I would speak about uh, the importance of professors showing grace to the students. All right. was, was that the topic? I was, was I, right, Gail? Was that? Okay, that was this topic. Especially first-year students, I was, I was clued in today also. I uh, was supposed to m- mention and talk on that topic today. I think we have to tighten that down a little bit. As Kyle mentioned, uh, I've been working, my wife and I have been working in Poland uh, for the last 20 years, and I actually have a little button here that's supposed to work. Okay. Some people think about Polish jokes. I'm going to tell you a joke from Poland, not a Polish joke, to, to begin time with. This is a very famous landmark in Poland. It's called the Wawel Castle. It was actually the second location, the second capital of Poland. It was actually in Krakow. As the story goes, this, this mother was wanting her son, her only son, to, to, to give her one gift at the end of her life. And she said, son, when I pass away, would you allow me to be buried in the basement of the Wawel Castle? This is where all the kings and princes and dignitaries are buried in the bases. And the son said, Mom, you just don't understand what you're asking. It's pretty hard to get down there. And so Mom said, Oh, please, son, just, that's the only thing I want. Let me be buried in the basement of Vaudeville Castle. So the son goes away and, and comes back, and a couple hours later he says, Mom, I have great news. I've arranged it. The bad news, you have to be ready in 15 minutes. So, okay. <laughs> That's a little bit of Polish humor for you, and that's uh, it's sort of like uh, British humor sometimes, you know. I, I go, so. We'd just like to introduce our family a little bit. Some of you may know Brittany and Seth. Brittany, they both graduated from NBC, and they work with ISI. Brittany is our daughter, uh, their grand, our granddaughter Mariah, and we're really excited to say we're going to be having a grandson at Christmas. So, another daughter we have uh, also went to school here. Heather, Heather got married last summer to Victor, and they're also living in, in the Bozeman area. And then we have twins, uh, Brandon and Shannon. Uh, Shannon is also here in Bozeman. She's attending um, MSU as well as working as a dental assistant. And Brandon is down in Billings, just working for cable right now. He has a construction engineering degree. One quick prayer request we'd ask is for Shannon. When they came to visit us last summer, she got bit by a tick and has Lyme disease, and it's affecting most of her uh, organs and everything else. So trying to work full-time, go to school full-time, and have this illness is really a challenge for her. But she's really pressing into the Lord, so we'll see what God will do through this. Kyle, also, oh, go ahead. Kyle, Kyle mentioned, mentioned that we were... <laughs> that's right, it's got your initial. Go ahead on it. Kyle mentioned that we work with Send International. Send International is a church planning organization that works in 22 countries around the world, uh, and we work primarily working among the unreached people groups around the world. The goal of what I'd like to talk about today is next steps. What I'd like to do is tell you some of our history, and I'd like to have you just ask this question in your mind, in your heart now. What is God's next step for me, for you? Okay? Sometimes we don't know the end of the street, where's God going to take us. It's probably a good thing we don't. Okay? I'm glad I didn't know that I'd be spending 20 years in Europe about 25 years ago. I probably wouldn't have gone that direction. But I'd like to have you, as you listen to our story, think about what is the next step that God wants me to do, to trust him for. Some of the little background on that, uh, I grew up in Three Forks. I'm the little fat one in the front, uh, I'm the little one. So I had a pretty humble beginnings. Yes, I did, okay? Uh, I went to the great institution of Three Forks High and Fighting Wolves. Don't ask how our records were at that period of time. But when I graduated from high school, this is pretty much my attitude. When I came out of high school, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into chemical engineering, work for 3M, get married, have a family and kids, and dog and a cat. 
Some of you may have that type of things all planned out. I knew exactly what I wanted. But during that time, I came to campus, and there's a man named Josh McDowell that spoke on campus. And he spoke about the importance of having Christ at the center of your dating relationships. Now, this is really fascinating to me because I was actually involved in a fraternity at the time. And that was not what the fraternity was telling me about dating relationships at all. But afterwards, he said, you know, if you're interested in more information, you can sign a card, and I'll, I'll sit down with you and, or have somebody talk to you. Well, he did, and actually, uh, when I started to understand the gospel over time, what happened was that I started to get scared. Some fears started to creep into my life. For one, I had my plans. I knew what I wanted to do. Number two, I also I didn't want to be a fanatical. A little bit of religion was okay, but I really didn't want to be a flower child or anything like that. And the other thing, I was afraid if I accept Christ into my life, he'd do something radical like send me to Africa as a missionary. I thought that's where the only place missionaries ever went to was Africa at the time. <laughs> but during that time, a man named Kerry Umamura, a Japanese-American student, followed me up. He was very patient. We walked through Scripture for almost a year explaining the gospel to me. Finally came down to a point in time where I really needed to surrender my life and plans to God. And this is one of the key factors that he told me. He said, Brett, with those fears, you really don't understand the love of God. If God loves you enough to send his, send his son to die for you, he had never asked you to do anything that was bad for you. And like that one sentence, that one statement, just dematerialized all my concerns or fears. So if you're struggling really with what God wants you to do or is asking you to do, focus on his love. Do you really understand the love of God for you, that he wouldn't ask you to do anything that wasn't best for you? And with that, the importance of dependency, that he would increase and that I would decrease. That was, see, that was my struggle. I had a too high a value of myself and too low a value of view of God. What's happened over time is that was changing. I had to hold God up higher and put my own desires lower. Just a little of my background. I was raised just down the road in Laurel, Montana. My dad was a band director for 25 years. I was raised in a very, very religious home. But in my heart, there was a major conflict because in our home, there was always World War III going on. My parents were always fighting. We were compared to one another. There was just, it wasn't a fun place to grow up. And when I was in junior high, at one point, my mom said to me after a major fight between my parents and my dad walked out the door, um, well, if you were never born we would never fight. And that caused me to want to find a reason to live because at that point I didn't know if I really wanted to live. There was religion, but there was no faith. And as I started looking for a reason to live, some of the things I thought of first was, well, maybe if I had a baby, someone would love me. But I thought, no, I was raised with all these morals, and that went against all my morals. And finally I started hanging around a small group of people. There wasn't groups like Campus Crusade or Youth for Christ or anything like that. There was just a bunch of us that started hanging out together, and they started sharing with me, uh, but did you know if you were the only person on earth, Christ still would have died for you? And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for unconditional acceptance, love, and truly understanding what my, the forgiveness of my sins, what that cost, and how could I deny that? And so I had the opportunity to ask Christ into my life when I was 14 years old. Another possible next step for you could be the importance of fellowship but not just hanging out with fun people, but fellowship that challenges you to live on the edge of your faith. You really look at a pine tree in the springtime, the growth is right on the tip of the pine tree, on, on the edge. And that's where we need to be also as we grow. And one of those situations that happened to me was our first time I was involved with Campus Crusade, now crew on campus, 
and they went down to Salt Lake City for a conf conference. You know, I had a lot of books, and I took them along with me, and they said, ah, oh, don't worry, just come along and listen to the conference. Well, the next day, they said, tomorrow we're going to go out and share our faith. They didn't tell me that before I went down to this conference. They said, oh, don't worry, just walk around with somebody, and they'll, you just have to sit around and just uh, observe. They lied again to me. So I went to this one house, and this, the second house we went to was actually a young couple from Butte, Montana, from all places. And it turned out that I was sat on the couch next to this couple, and this gal threw me this booklet called Four Spiritual Laws and said, here, will you share this with this couple? Now, I'd only read it a few times myself before I'd only gone through it. I, I remember actually physically shaking out of fear as I was sharing the Four Spiritual Laws for the first time. It was the worst presentation you can imagine at the time. But surprisingly, God used it. This couple actually did want to come and give their life to Christ through a very weak presentation. So, again, just want to encourage you that God uses weak vessels. And uh, so trust him and be involved in areas that are really challenging for you and your faith. Along with that, after that great experience, it was like almost a high when I came away from there. I'd never felt the Holy Spirit being poured in through my life and reaching out and touching somebody else's life. It was a massive experience in my life. But from that, I also went on uh, summer projects to Galveston, Texas, Hampton Beach. And in 1984, I told God, I'll give you one more summer. And I spent the summer of 1984 on the northern coast of Poland. And it was there where I met this man, Marian. He was on the beach by himself, and I walked up to him and said, Hi, do you speak English? Because I didn't know any Polish at the time. And he says, Yes, little. He ran into his tent, and he came out with a Bible. Now, at that period of time, that was five years before the, what's called the Iron Curtain fell, so we weren't supposed to be there as missionaries, and you couldn't go down to the local bookstore and buy a Bible. He actually bought that Bible on the black market, and it was his 30th birthday, and he came up to the northern beach to read his Bible and find a purpose in life. So God took somebody from Three Forks, Montana, and somebody from Poland to meet on the beach in northern Poland at the same period of time. That's how God works. It's amazing. But from that... They had a saying that if you take a rock and you throw it out into the Baltic, it's a pledge that someday you'll return. And I made that pledge, and a friend of mine took pictures of us doing that. I was a little darker and quite a bit thinner at that period of time in life. But I thought I'd be back in just a couple of years. God had a few different plans. Brett and I had actually met at MSU, and we had known each other for almost five years by the time he had come back from Poland. And he came back saying uh, he wanted to go back to Poland as for the rest of our lives, basically. And so we had our plans. We were going to get married, go to seminary, go to Pol get our support, get to Poland in about two and a half years, and, and God had different plans for us. And what we thought would take two and a half years ended up being actually a journey of 11 years. And during that journey, uh, it was amazing what God did. I just want to encourage you, don't try to just get through today. Don't just try to look for uh, what I'm going to do when I get done with college or when I get this job or when I, what's next. I, we lost so many years waiting for what was next think, and forgetting to see what God was doing. And now when we look back, God used that 11 years. He took us to seminary. We had four kids in three and a half years while we were in seminary. There's twins in there. And uh, we got involved in a church for the first time where this church became our family. And we were a long ways away. We were in Chicago and having all those kids, and they would come around, and they'd serve us, and they'd minister to us, and they'd bring us meals, and they would wash my toilet because I was so sick with my pregnancies. And in those next several years, we had a place to serve and be involved. And God showed us his heart for his church. 
And so by the time we were going to Poland where we thought we were going to go do Campus Crusade Ministries, God showed us his heart is to build his church, and we wanted to be about building his church. So my encouragement here as you are in this stage of your life, wait well for the Lord. Use this time now. God's creating your character at this very moment in the relationships you're in. This is not wasted time by any means. I started seminary as single, ended up married with four kids. But through that time, God gave us ministry opportunity, built relationships, and took us back as, as a whole team, as a family. And actually, I encourage you to raise a family on the field, I think has a lot of advantages over in the U.S. sometimes. To give you a real short background, the kingdom expansion, uh, Kyle mentioned about that briefly. Just wanted to show you just a couple of quick facts and encouragement about the growth of the Christian faith. Which one are we on? Okay, that's me too. All right, this is what's going on in Asia over the last 100 years. We see almost a 2,000% growth in the Christian faith. That's, that's extremely encouraging. But look what's happening now in Africa. That's growing at 4,000%. Of course, they didn't start with a lot in, in some of those areas. But also in Latin America, look at the growth, growth of the Christian faith in Latin America. That's extremely encouraging uh, over time. Kyle mentioned that we work in Central Europe. So a question to you is then, what do you think God has been doing in Europe over the last 100 years? Do you think Christianity, what's happening with Christianity in Europe? Any ideas? It's growing everywhere else in the world. Yeah. And very sadly, it's declined over 30%. No one would have expected with the fall of communism, the great amount of people that would just walk away from their faith in, in what was formerly known as where all the major faiths and everything have come from out of Europe is now one of the most atheistic parts of the world. Two years ago, we had a film team that came over to Europe, and I wanted to give you a little t taste of some of the interviews on the street and let you hear directly from students and people about your age about their view of God and Christianity. So I'll have them play this clip for you. I agree. 
I, I can say he was God and he was a son of God. It's very problematic. He were, was killed and he resurrected and uh, that he was son of a God. Yes, he was a real person, I believe, only uh, not son. Yes, because we all are God's children. History has sometimes changed so many things from reality. I have my doubts. So, I know about Jesus, you know, I know about Bible and everything. And here we just use it as some kind of way of escape. I'm sorry to say that. Are you religious? Yeah. What religion are you? Uh, uh, Christian. What do you believe about Jesus? Jesus? <laughs> I'm a little bit... I am a bit heterostia because you gave me such a question. I have never got it yet. It's very difficult to answer, yeah? In that video, there was two guys that had actually knew that Jesus had, was the Son of God and died on the cross. The second one that mentioned who he was was actually, if you would notice, he had implants in his, his forehead. He was a Satanist. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God, but he doesn't believe in the Son of God. So what's going on right now? Uh, we just celebrated on November 9th was the 25th anniversary of the fall of what was called the Iron Curtain. I think it's up there. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. So what's going on? We want to give you a sh- quick update. Uh, start in the areas where we work in, the Czech Republic. Wanted to give you uh, some of the facts recently. Uh, in the Roman Catholic Church in the last 20 years, uh, the Catholic Let's try that. Okay, it's worth synced. Roman Catholic Church was 39%. It is now down to 10% since 2011. The Evangelical Brethren had 2%, now down to 0.5%. The Hus, John Hus Husite Church was 1.7%, is now 0.4%. And the non religious activities have gone from 56 to 80 Literally, Czech Republic is the second most atheistic country in the world, surprisingly right behind what would have been former East Germany. So this area was dark and is getting darker for the absence of God. We actually do work in the Czech Republic, and for various reasons of missionaries having to leave the field, we currently only have one missionary serving in Czech Republic in church planting. It's a German woman who is now going on home service for six months, and so we will not have anyone there for a period of time. But we're very excited that there's a new family raising their support to come and join us. And we're talking to Kyle. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> to give you a little background briefly about our area, uh, we live in the area with the Red Star. Wrocław is the name of the town. It's, it's pronounced just like it looks. Um, <coughs> The cities that we have, the Blue Stars, are our church planting sites. Just give you a quick background of what's going on in Poland. This map just shows the country of Poland, and all the white on the country is where there is not evangelical witness. The country of Poland is about 800,000 people, so about the population of Montana. And if you would add up the members of possibly Grace, the Free Church, and maybe um, Journey here in town, there are more believers in this city than there are in the entire country of Poland. 
they are considered one in 1,000, might know that Jesus is their Lord and Savior in the country of Poland. The red spots are where there's actually some sort of a church witness. So you can see the, here, literally, the fields are white, ready for harvest. Specifically give you one situation that's going on in the town of Lubin, uh, Poland, 775,000. I wanted to give you a quick comparison of what that is for Montana. It's about the same size as Missoula, a little larger than Missoula, this area. We have a church bent that's been there for about eight years now. We have uh, a family there, Eagers, and a single gal named Pat. There's about 20 believers, or adults, in this fellowship right now. They don't have a pastor. The missionaries and elders do all the teaching and preaching in this church. But look what this small church is doing. This small church has 120 students in, in English studies that they reach out to the community. This also has, are starting to be registering right now. I just got an email yesterday from them as an officially organized church, fully uh, recognized by the government. They're also in the process of a building. The city, they had such good relationships with the city, the city gave them a piece of property for 1% of the value. For $1,000, the city gave them a $100,000 piece of property because of that. So they're starting a building project. They have all the permits. And also they're beginning to do a church outreach in another town just about 20 miles away. So here's 20 people doing all this. It's amazing what these people have for commitment to the forwarding of the gospel. And specifically, the town they're reaching out to is called Legnitsa. That town is about 104,000. That's about the population of Billings, Montana. And there is one church, there's one Pentecostal church there now. But that's it in the community. And the man that we're looking, working with there is actually Ukrainian. He's a Ukrainian pastor. What we're finding is that uh, Ukraine is really sort of the Bible belt of Eastern Europe. And Ukrainians are starting to migrate in, into Poland. And we might be working more with Ukrainians in the future in church planting. So what's important is about cultivating a passion for your neighbors and the nation. And Michelle will tell you a story about that. In the last couple of years, we actually had the chance to be involved in an international church. Our first 15 years, we had the opportunity to see a church planted and turned over to nationals. And it was really exciting as we see more and more businesses coming into our area because Poland is growing economically. Uh, 3M, uh, Starbucks, uh, LG. LG. There's just many, many international businessmen coming in. And it is amazing how often those businessmen are Christians. And looking for fellowship. Also, in our city, Wrocław, there are seven universities, and there's no ministry going on in those universities. And so there are international students coming and saying, where can we go? And so that we've had an opportunity to get to know a young couple, Rafael and Chelsea. Rafael is actually Polish. Chelsea is new, from New Zealand. They just got engaged three weeks ago. But in our opportunity to get to know them, Rafael initially came because he, he's a Polish man. He was interested in the technology that was being used to use headphones to use, uh, provide translation. And through that, he came in and started asking Brett if he would just lead him through a Bible study. So I began meeting with Raphael, and we went through the first two chapters of Romans, and he was able to identify the four main characteristics that they're talked about there, and he wanted to be one of those people who had, was circumcised of the heart. And so we had a chance to talk to him, and I said, now, if you realize you make this faith to, to step to follow Christ, it will require to also follow him in baptism. And he says, let's get our calendar out, and let's plan it right away. God was working on his heart amazingly, and what's interesting from this time is that his now future father-in-law, Anjay, is a believer that's next to us. So I worked with Anjay and myself. We prepared Rafael for baptism for about three months during the time. 
So this is the benefit of working in three generations of the faith, not just even one and one. But I believe one of the key things is working with somebody little in different levels of generations of Christian faith and modeling discipleship for others in the process. I also had an opportunity to work with an intern that lived with us for a year from the United States, uh, Tamara, and she helped me prepare Chelsea for baptism. And you might not... I mean, baptism is always very exciting when somebody takes that step of faith. But in this country, when somebody chooses to be baptized, they are denying their family, their heritage, and very often will be ostracized from their family. So taking this step is a huge step. And just before we returned for our home service, both Chelsea and Raphael chose to be baptized. This is what we've worked on on the field as what we would desire the Lord to do is to see that the Lord's kingdom be expanded in the Czech Republic and in Poland. And these are three qualities that we want to see in our own missionaries and people who come. Those who are dependent on God passionately, declare his word boldly, and disciple his people intentionally. Those are the landmarks that we want to hold up high. And if you have that type of passion and interest, I'd love to talk about with those with you further. We'd really like to also encourage you as in one of your next steps that you're doing as you're asking God to guide and direct you is just start cultivating a heart of prayer and asking God how he wants to work in your life, how he wants you to work in other people's lives. And one specific challenge we've had in the last couple of years is, the, as we showed, the fields are white for harvest. Would you set your clock at 9.38? It could be in the morning, it could be in the evening, it could be both times. And just start praying, Matthew 9.38, that God would raise up workers for the harvest. We've been doing this, and God is answering. It's been really exciting. We're getting more and more people interested to come. And we need your prayers. God, this is what he's asked us to do. He's asked us to ask him. So let's ask and have him raise people up. But our second prayer would be pray that God will keep those missionaries on the field. We are, I know we're not young, but we're the last people in our part of uh, Central Europe that came in the 90s. Everybody else has come back for various reasons. Thank the Lord, not for conflict. Family issues, kids issues, parent issues. And we figured we've lost about 350 years of missionary experience in the last five years. So even though new people need to come and we need you, uh, it also, we need to keep people there that have the language, have the culture, have the experience, and have the respect of the culture. And it is encouraging to us. The Lord is sending us new workers. In fact, just this summer, we have three new singles that were accepted with our mission agency and are preparing to come to the field. Tamar actually did an internship with us last year. And she still wanted to come back. Okay, so, so. But she's actually a Jewish background also. Her, her dad lives in Israel. And she'll be part-time as my administrative assistant as well. Uh, so God is answering prayer. So really, what would be the next step that God is asking of you? Is it uh, use your time wisely here? Are you involved in a fellowship that is challenging to you? How's your prayer life? You may want to set your clock for... PM, not AM. Your teacher in the morning may not appreciate it if your phone rings or goes off during <laughs> class. So you may want to choose that PM op- option there. But be involved with sharing your faith and building relationships. That ISI, I believe my son-in-law and daughter, they were here a week ago or a week and a half ago. That's a great opportunity to build relationships with people from other cultures right in your back door. Also, we love staying in contact with you. So if you would like to stay in contact with us, you can sign up for our prayer card. Or if you'd like to know more information about where Send is serving elsewhere, there's a lot of brochures. Please feel free to sign up, take what you need. And we're here until the end of February. So we'd love to get together with you if you have any questions. So as you're thinking about next steps, talk to people who have walked a few steps further than you have. 
uh, talk to pastors, missionaries, counselors, whatever your field of discipline is that you're aiming for, spend time with them. Take them out. They love coffee, whatever. Or so. They might even buy you a coffee. But uh, spend time with people who are a few steps in front of you and listen to them. Ask them the hard questions. See if you can stump them if you want to. Uh, stump the missionaries. Uh, but also, would you be, consider also Europe in that request? Because we do believe that Europe is an unfinished task, and it's not getting any brighter. So we would ask you to pray for us and, and pray for uh, our field. We would love to have young people come like yourselves. And please join us and, or talk to us. I think we're going to stay a little bit uh, and talk to you during your mealtime. So anytime you want to talk to us, uh, we'd be glad. And we're around for another almost three months. So please use that time well, too. Thank you so much.